Now, congregation, don't get too comfortable, though. <laughs> Please stand and join us in the first song we're going to sing, which you may have heard, Rich Man's House. We're going to be doing a lot of clapping and moving this worship. 
I don't know if you saw the sign out there. It was next to the one about you're being filmed, but also we're going to be moving a lot. Church. Good morning. Welcome. Please join me in the invitation to worship. The Lord is queen. Let the peoples tremble. 
The Lord is great in Zion. She is exalted over all the peoples. Mighty Queen, lover of justice, you have established equity. The word of God for the people of God. Good morning, Middle Church. It's such a pleasure to see each and every one of you here for this time of worship today. Uh, my name is Bertram Johnson. I'm the Minister of Care and Spiritual Development. And on behalf of our pastors and our clergy and everyone here in the community, welcome to this great day of God's service and worship. And especially to those who are worshiping online, we welcome you. Everyone just turn around and say a word of blessing there. Know that we send our love and our presence and God's spirit to you where you may be. And we pray that you feel blessed at this time wherever you are. Also, just also know that our Digi Minister is also online, and so if you want to say where you're worshiping from, write us a message and say where you are too. But for the folks who are here in worship this morning, who's here for the very first time? First time ever. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up, if you will. Where are you all from? Where are you from? Park Ridge, Park Ridge New Jersey. Welcome. Welcome. Who else? Jersey City, so neighbors, Jersey folks. Where are you from? Louisville, Tennessee? Tennessee, the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. Beautiful Smoky Mountains. Over here, anyone, for the first time? Birmingham, Alabama. So you could have driven up through Tennessee on the way up. Here you go. Brooklyn, all the way across the water. And where? Florida. I'm from Florida. Don't be ashamed. It's all right. So, where? Paris, France. How many? We had like a busload of people from France this morning. They were and Spain this morning. Who over here? From where? France also. Who's from France? Everyone, if you're from France, raise your hand. We are so grateful to have each and every one of you here. Also know that wherever you are, you can continue to watch worship with us every Sunday at 11:45. Eastern Standard Time so that you can share in this movement of God's love and transformation every day. Anyone else that I haven't reached yet? Here in the back. Uh, Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas in the house. Welcome. Howdy. Anyone on, on this side? Anyone up front, up top? Harlem. Harlem. You can take the A train or the two train, whichever train. Anyone else? I know there's also a, a very special person in our community, a uh, past pastor, um, Gordon, Reverend Gordon Drott. Is here in, uh, where is Gordon? Gordon. That's the sign of a former pastor. He's not only going to sit in the back, he's going to sit in the back row of the back. <laughs> and Gail is here too. Where is Gail? Gail is down here. Okay. Friends, you make this movement possible. You bring the joy and the worship and the, and the elation that we feel here today. And so thank you for everyone being here. I just want to give you a few updates of things that are coming up. This afternoon at 1.30, we are having our interfaith play date. Folks who are Christian and Muslim and Jewish and, Jewish and Buddhist and, 
all the different faiths are coming together for a time of celebration across our differences, but also celebrate the things that make us unique and loved all in God's eyes. And that's from 1.30 until 3.30, is that right? Yep. 1.30 to 3.30. And if you have questions, you have a kid who you want to attend, see Marta after worship. Also this week, it's Fat Tuesday. So we're heading into Lent and we're ha- hosting a dessert potluck on Tuesday night starting at 6.30 here at Middle Collegiate Church. And then on um, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, we'll be offering our Ash Wednesday service here in the sanctuary. After worship immediately, there will be a brief, very brief meeting on stewardship, or actually a congregational meeting, uh, and Jackie will probably allude to that more in her, in her sermon. And then um, also this afternoon at 2 p.m., we are celebrating the life of a blessed man, a dear man to this congregation, Murray Burrison, who uh, joined this congregation when he was eight in 1944 or so, someone he was a young man and helped revive and keep this congregation alive. Um, in the way that Murray did that, let's honor him by carrying on that work of justice and liberation and making middle a place that's welcome to all people. Thank you for being here. And now I invite you to, uh, my, my colleague Amanda, to come forward for our time of prayer. Thank you. Thank you, Bertram. It's a good day to be in God's house, amen. Let's take a moment now, take a deep breath, center yourselves, and join me in a time of prayer. God, in all the holy names by which we call you, we remark how great it is to dwell in your house today. While our very lives change minute by minute, and we find that the most consistent thing we know is change, you remain constant. Your love for us like an ever-flowing stream, your peace unlike anything else we know. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but your word, God, stands forever. So we ask, what can we learn from your unchanging holiness, your steadfast grace, and your unwavering, all-encompassing love? May it be enough to know that we are loved, just as we are. May it be enough to know that you are love, and because of that, we can know what love is. So today, we ask that we can be people that live lives that are reflective of being loved by you. May we rise up in the face of our very earth, crying out to us to engage in practices that will lower carbon emissions. May we be the people that muster the creative willpower to bring about barrel reform these next two weeks in Albany. May we be the people that answer your call to redeem all things, from our school boards to the boardroom, to the unconscious biases present in our minds that cause us to regard people as less than divine, our neighbors less than us. 
for the many times and the many ways we have fallen short of joining you in redeeming the world and our minds, forgive us. This week and every week, make space for us to be surprised by joy, moved by injustice, and changed by grace. In your holy name, we ask all these things. Amen. Amen. Now, as you are comfortable, I invite you to stand and grab the hand or the shoulder of someone next to you as we say the prayer Jesus taught us to say, ever loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. God's peace is unlike anything else in the world, and it is ours to give one another. May the peace of God be with you and also with you. Thank you. Friends, today in the house we have Sherry Gill. She also grew up here. She was here, what, what did I say, you were three? And then you, no, no, you were older, right? I was actually born in one of the pews. You were born in one of the pews, yes. <laughs> That's how we do here at Middle. <laughs>
Today's scripture is from Exodus chapter 34, verses 29 to 35. Moses came down from Mount Sinai. As he came down from the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant in his hand, Moses did not know that the skin of his, of his face shone because he had been talking with God. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, the skin of his face was shining, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses spoke with them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, the Israelites would see the face of Moses, that the skin of his face was shining. And Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We have some handsome church. I didn't mean to say only Baptist, but it felt like that, John. Felt, felt a little Baptist. Will you say a prayer with me, please? God, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And we ask, oh God, as we listen for a word from you, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight. God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Some of you heard this before, but every single time I preach from the book of Exodus, every single time I flash back to my little church in Trenton and the Bible studies I used to do with the non-churched people. And there was always some other kind of story besides the Bible in the backdrop. And when we got to Exodus, it was the gospel according to Cecil B. DeMille's wonderful movie, The Ten Commandments in 1956. Uh, one particular time, I was trying to get the Bible study to know that there were not just 10 laws, but 613 codes. I go, you might not know, friends, but there are 613 codes spread throughout Leviticus and Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. And a 40-something-year-old man, a little indignant, goes, okay, wait a minute, Pastor. Wait a minute. There's only 10 commandments, right? 10 commandments on two tablets. Moses goes up on the mountain, gets the tablets, God writes them on the face, comes down from the mountain, sees the people dancing around the golden calf, throws the tablets at the golden calf, the golden calf explodes, <laughs> and the people catch on fire and die. Isn't that how it goes? Almost. <laughs> A little bit different than that in the Bible, but just as dramatic. In the Bible, Moses does go up on the mountain, does get the commandments. They are written on the tablet by God. He does come down and see the crazy revelry dancing wild folks with the golden calf. But he does not throw the tablets at the calf. He throws it on the ground at the base of the mountain. 
but then he pulverizes the golden calf. This is in the Bible. And takes the pulverized gold and puts it in the water and makes the people drink it. Okay, I just thought I'd... Let's get that on the table. God was pretty furious with the Israelites. Uh, she's not really happy with this golden calf stunt, and I don't really blame her. She's listened to their cries. She's heard that they're suffering. She's kind of broken them out of Egypt with a big bunch of drama and stuff, locusts and blood and, you know, all kinds of things. She's dropped manna from heaven when they're hungry. She's had Moses strike a rock when they're thirsty to make sure that they're okay, to liberate them, to redeem them, to transform their circumstances from oppression to freedom, from sorrow to joy, from poverty and desperation, to a plethora of resources, enough gold, for goodness sake, to build the golden calf. And what do they do? They sort of squander it. They take the resources, they take off their jewelry, they make a golden calf, and they call the golden calf the God that liberated us. I don't know, I'm a woman. I'd be a little annoyed about this kind of, I don't know, unattributed liberation. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? God was not getting credit for the good thing that God had done. So God says, you will leave the mountain. Uh, now you will, you will Go away from, the, from this place. You will head toward the land that I have for you, and I'm not going to go with you because I'm mad. But because Moses and, and God are good friends, they're buddies, Moses pushes it around, they, they talk about it in one of those moments where Moses' face is uncovered and Moses convinces God to go, in fact, with Israel out into the new land so that nobody thinks God isn't God in all of her badass splendor. Are you with me? Okay, this is a very complicated story, but I just want to make sure we're tracking it with each other. Okay, so now Moses is having another conversation with God. God has been angry, is, is, is forgiving Israel, and is renewing a new covenant, making a new covenant with Israel and gives them a new set of laws. Yes, the 10 and some more laws. You'll leave this mountain. You will not make a covenant with the people who live in the land. You will not make ever again any more idols, neither golden calves nor bronze statues. You will keep my festivals. You will only work six days. You will keep the Sabbath day. You'll give me your first fruits and your firstborn lambs and things. You will be faithful to me. You will keep my name holy. I'm teaching you how to read Torah. I'm teaching you how to do rituals. I'm teaching you how to be faithful, how to pray. I'm giving you laws about how to love your neighbor, how to love your family, laws about what to eat, what not to eat, how to know if something's clean or unclean, how to cook what you eat, laws that say do not boil the hamburger in the milk. I just think that's wise. <laughs> Do not drink too much and don't eat too much. Laws about holidays and fasting. Laws about buying and selling and lending. Laws about how to use money. Laws about how to treat the poor. You will not harvest the corners of your land. That belongs to the poor.
You will not pick up the grapes on the ground or the apples on the ground or the wheat from the ground because that belongs to the poor. You will not charge interest when you make a loan. Says it. <laughs> right in there. <laughs> You're going to love this one if you liked that one. You will not demand repayment of a loan from a poor person. After seven years, you will pardon every debt. You will pay people their just wages on time. On time. And you will give to charity according to your means. Law is about how to treat people. You must love the stranger because you were once strangers in a strange land. You shall not stand idly by when a human life is in danger. And this one's really, really good. If your enemy's donkey is in trouble, you must help the donkey, even though you don't want to. Yeah. And there's something that happens to Moses when he's having these little talks with God. The text tells us that Moses got a shiny face. The skin was shiny. We're not talking about those, you know, those fluids that you put on these days to get a glow or the face oil that you pat in. We're talking about something about God's glory wearing off on Moses' face. A shining face wet with the steadfast love of God. God who has set them free. The God who liberated them from bondage. The God who transformed their circumstances. The God they defied with their foolish calf making. But who loves them enough anyway for fresh starts, second chances, and a new covenant, a new relationship. Because God is God all the time. God is faithful all the time because God's love, God's mercy, and God's compassion are constant, even when we're fickle. And the word for mercy in Hebrew is rachem. Rachem. Can you say that? I can't. Rachem. And that word for mercy in Hebrew is the same root word for womb, so when I'm switching up pronouns on God, I'm doing it with good reason. Men don't yet have wombs. Most of them don't have wombs. But God has a womb. It's womb-like love. It's mercy that is womb-like love. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the kind of love that transforms. It transformed Moses from a I-don't-know-how-to-talk person to an I'm-off-doing-verbal-battle-with-Pharaoh-and-I'm-talking-to-God-all-the-time. It's love that transformed an enslaved people to a free people. And when they were enslaved and forgot who they were and whose they were, transformed them into a grateful people only through love that would never quit. It's the kind of love that we're called to, the kind of love where we're actually called to on God's behalf, love our neighbors into the newness to which we are all called.
Let's go back to the donkey. <coughs> it's my favorite. Whether enemy or friend, the kind of love we're called to is the kind where we take care of our neighbor's donkey. Which is to say, we're called to take care of our neighbor's children, our neighbor's old folk, our neighbor's mama and them, <laughs> baby's kids. We're called to take care of our neighbor's health care and their right to name their own gender and live into it and go to the bathroom where they want to. We're called to love our neighbor's sexualities as a gift from God, no matter who they love and how they look. We're called to make our congregation safe for gay folks, all of them. We're called to care about our neighbor's beautiful black and brown bodies. We're called to care about our neighbor's children who are in cages. We're called to care that our neighbor makes a living wage and that the women make the same wage as the men for doing the same work. We're called to make sure there's never another me too and that all women's bodies are kept safe. We're called to ask our neighbors what do they want to do with their bodies and let them be in charge of it. We're called to know that our neighbor's sorrows matters, their hope and dreams matters, their, the injustice done to them matters, a just society for them matters. We're called to welcome them and treat them with respect and love like God treats us with respect and love. We're called to give them a second chance because we're called on behalf of the body of God to offer womb-like love to all of those we encounter. Those are some of the guidelines for a liberated people. A people liberated in love, for love, to do love. A people transformed by love, a people who know that love transforms. And these guidelines, middle family, are why we do what we do. There are 500 people in church on Sundays, almost all the time, and another 600 online. Isn't that amazing? And they're there because they just want a little touch of holy. And okay, yes, some amazing music. 498 people come in and out of our doors every week, week in and week out, to go to recovery programs, to come do community organizing, to do yoga, to just be together to get food and love and support. That's a whole lot of bodies. That's like 24,000 contacts with people every year. Somebody say amen. We do this thing, we do this work. We take ourselves to El Paso to go to the border. We take ourselves to DC to march for healthcare and against poverty. We march around New York for prison reform and to make sure that, that we can disrupt the way a lack of having bail can keep you in prison for months. We continue to talk about how black lives matter. We take ourselves to public spaces like New Mexico to talk with Richard Rohr and to North Carolina to do the thing called the Wow Goose with a whole bunch of uh, public activists like Otis Moss III and Tracy Blackman. We do this work because we're loved by our God and because, because our faces are shiny. Not with vitamin E oil or you know elixirs 
but our face are shiny with, with contact with the holy. And we who are contacted by the holy, in touch with the holy, loved by the holy, are called to reflect the transformative glory of God in a world so lonely, so frightened, so scared, so tired, so over frickin' whelmed with violence and desperation. We are the shiny love warriors of God whose lives and time and treasure and dreams and hopes and fears and insecurities and foibles and idiosyncrasies <laughs> all make up this amazing community called Middle. Whether this is your first time here or your 400th time, Len, <laughs> whether this is a place around the corner from you or around the globe from you, we hope you'll sign up, suit up, show up, get off the sidelines, and get in the business of healing our souls and transforming the world. Changed people, changed people, amen. Every day, our gracious God gives us the opportunity to change, to be changed, to be renewed, to have our hearts reshaped so that when the world looks at us, they see the radiance and love of God shining from within us. As we come to this table, the one our God set for us and for all people in every time and place, we celebrate the blessing of a God who does not see us is what we used to be, but as justice broken open and love poured out so that all may taste and see the goodness of God. Let us pray. Holy One, because we know we've been changed, we ask you, God, to bless this bread and cup for our spirits and our bodies so we may more fully be your body and your spirit, unveiled, unleashed, unafraid to be agents of transformation in this place and in every place that hungers for truth. Amen. 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 Holy One, we break this bread as you broke bread with your disciples. This is your broken body, broken for us all. We too are your body. Shine in and through us. We eat, remembering you, receiving your spirit inside us as you commanded. God of love and change, we share this cup as you shared the cup with those, the ones that you loved. This cup is your life, poured out for all. It is the cup of new covenant of renewed covenant. We drink remembering you receiving your spirit into us 
as you commanded. Friends, this table is for you, just as you are as you came through the door. The only readiness that's required is an open heart, desiring transformation and love. So all is ready, and the ushers are going to help you come from the front to the back, from the outside in, and we will commune together with our living God.
Revolutionarily loving, womb-like, steadfast presence in our lives. And we ask as we take you in, that you will make us more like you. Amen. We have an opportunity now to be invited to join the movement. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Natalie Runyon, and I um, serve on the board at the pleasure of this community. And I'm here today to invite you to join the movement. So we started a campaign on Valentine's Day that focused on encouraging our community and members of our community, including those online, to connect one-on-one, -on -one, to share our stories, and to share how this community and our ethic of love has transformed each one of us. And so I wanted to share a little bit about that, what this community has done for me today. So let's just start with what we just saw. We saw the children serving communion. I love that. Um, I love that my then four-year-old, when we're walking by church one day, said, Mom, our church name is Jesus, right? Yes, yes indeed, son. And then I also love this community because the interfaith play date that uh, was mentioned earlier started two years ago after when the Muslim ban was announced and um, the children uh, from the mosque up the street were scared. And so the community got together to do something about that. So I also love uh, Middle Church because we're, we're about reclaiming Christianity. There's a certain denomination in the last uh, 10 days or so that uh, did not affirm our LGBT children of God. And that's just BS. So I love that this, is that this community is affirming. I love that you look around here and we're talking about brown Jesus. The white Jesus has been empired and we're not having anything of it. So that's the other thing that I love about this community. And the final thing that I love about this community is um, I can come here and I can be vulnerable and I can cry. And um, perhaps the most recent example of that, come here girl, this woman, we were in a meeting and I was breaking down I was having a hard day. And she pulled me aside and said, you need to be taken care of. And so she handed me a piece slip of paper. And then I got home and it was a $100 bill. And um, I was just floored. And so in that same meeting, I heard from Kelly Philistine, Claudia, but in particular, Lila's act of love completely floored me. And so I wanted to say thank you. We, you can look at the us and we may look like we don't have anything in common, but we do. We are children of God. And we serve this community because you have transformed us. 
you have transformed us. And so I invite you to join this movement if you have not, including those online. I love when I get to watch church online and all of the comments around how much the Christmas Eve service has moved people and how much the music is transforming them. And when I'm watching online, I am like, I, it, I feel like I have a front row seat. So we got some work to do because we gotta, we gotta get our message out there. We gotta reclaim Christianity. We claim Jesus and his message of love. Love is love is love is love. And we're not messing around. And when we go running, when there's a lot of fear mongering out there, and we go, we lean into it with love. And that's the other reason why I love this community. So we've got a strategic vision that we have to fund. So in addition to joining the movement, you have the opportunity to fund this movement. If you believe, if what you see up here, the music that moves you, the message that you leave with is worth a recurring donation of $2, $10, $500 every week, we all, we have um, very much economic diversity in this congregation, and that's part of why we love it. Then I invite you to join this movement and to sign up on a recurring donation, including those of our online um, community members, just because you're not with us in person does not mean that we cannot feel your spirit. So thank you for allowing me to talk and someone will be up here um, afterwards to join the movement and thank you Lila again for helping me remind how much I love this community and how much it's transformed, has transformed me. Thank you. Thank you.